Hello, and welcome to the podcast for Christ Community Church in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. My name is Lee Younger. I'm one of the pastors here, and this is a message that I gave on Sunday morning, September 3rd, 2023, from the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay, everybody. It is good to be back with you. I missed you all so much last week, but we had a great time over with our brothers and sisters at Oak Valley Baptist Church last week. And um, I'm going to reiterate something that Pastor Hammond said when he was here, something that I said after he left, which is that this time that we're about to enjoy is still a part of the worship and you still get to be involved. So I want to encourage you. My hope is that this morning that I might say something that encourages you. I, I hope that I might say something that that challenges you, something that, something that moves you. And if that happens, would you join in worship by just letting somebody know, don't leave me up here by myself. Help a brother out is what I'm saying. Help me out. Let's all be in this together. So we're going to have some practice, okay? I'm going to give you some softballs so you can say amen or you can worship the Lord or something like that. So here it goes. No matter how difficult this week was, and no matter what you went through, because of the promise of Jesus, we know we were never alone one minute, right? Yeah. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. See, we're good at this, y'all. This is the thing. You're actually really good at this. Here's another one. Here's another softball real quick, okay? No matter what anybody else said about you this week, or no matter what anybody else thinks about you, Jesus loved and accepted you every single second of this past week. Yeah. Amen. Okay, fantastic. All right, so... All we have to do is keep that train rolling, y'all. Let's, let's do this together, okay? We're in this together. We've been talking about the, um, as the summer ends, we've been talking about the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. The, the book of Ecclesiastes is a very unique and odd little book in, you know, tucked in the dusty corners of the Old Testament. That word Ecclesiastes is a big, long word, and all that means is assembly or gathering. This is a book where an old man at the end of his life is gathering all of us together to say, listen, I did it. I lived my life. I tried it all. I learned the hard way. And I'm getting y'all together to tell you some stuff because I want you to be able to live a skillful life. And I want you to be able to skip a lot of the mistakes that I made and to skip a lot of the mistakes that everybody else in the world makes all the time. That's the book of Ecclesiastes. Okay, and what he does, kind of the biggest thing that the teacher, that's what he calls himself, the teacher says 38 times in this book, in this little book, that people are pouring their time and their heart and their effort and their energy into stuff that is just vanity. It's just going away. It's not going to last. It's like they're trying to grab onto clouds. It's like they're trying to take smoke and stick it in their pocket and save some for later. And that's actually the word he uses 38 times. It's vapor. It's smoke. And what he's going to do, what we're going to talk about today is the way that some people have are trying to clutch onto these clouds, trying to clutch onto this smoke about the very heart of life itself. Okay, that's what we're going to do today. Now, I've got some good news and some bad news for y'all. Does anybody need some good news this week, by the way? Okay, now I'm assuming that since we have good news and bad news, that you'd like me to go ahead and get the bad news out of the way, right? Okay, let's get the bad news out of the way. Here we go. Now buckle up. It's a little bleak, okay? 
uh, you are going to die. <laughs> Hopefully not right now, but you're going to. You're going to die. So am I, by the way. I'm not excusing myself. All of you, okay? And, and I realize we have, we have kids in here that are in middle school, and we have other folks who, like, hadn't been in middle school in a while. Um, and I don't care what your age is. It's important that you think about this, okay? So this is the bad news. You are going to die. I don't know how it's going to happen. Don't know when it's going to happen. But I know you can't do anything about it. That's the bad news. Okay, whew, you ready for some good news? Okay, here we go. Buckle up. Good news. You know that you're going to die. That's all I got. That's, that's, that's actually the good news today. The good news is, and you're like, wait, you, you and I have different definitions, my man, on what good news is. Like, uh, the bad news is, yeah, you're going to die. You don't know how, you don't know why, you know you can't stop it. But wait, the good news is, I know I'm going to die? Yeah. Yeah, that's the real good news of the book of Ecclesiastes. And we're going to break all that down. But let's start here and let's just get it out of the way so nobody emails me about it later, especially since I gave everybody my email address before. Okay. <laughs> Now, look, I know that everyone who's called on the name of the Lord Jesus, um, that you have the hope and the promise of a home in heaven. So, you know, yes, thank you. That, that is good news, by the way. We have the hope and the promise of heaven. Amen? Amen. So God Almighty, Jesus was and is Almighty God who came down here in the form of a human being and he lived a perfect life and then he sacrificially substituted that life for us paying all the penalty and the, uh, of all of our wrong so that we can be completely and totally forgiven forever. Amen? Yeah. That's amazing. And we become part of God's family and we get a brand new heart and God becomes our dad and we get to go home into paradise and heaven forever. So for us, by the way, if you've never taken that gift, you could do it right now as I'm talking. We don't have to have an invitation. We don't have to play just as I am and you don't have to come down the aisle or raise your hand or anything like that. You could just in your heart know, man, I don't think I've ever actually said to Jesus, I want that. That's really good. You paid for all my sins and I get to go to heaven forever and be forgiven. I'll take that, please. And you can do that right now. You can just tell him, I want that gift. I need it. I take it. And it's yours forever and nobody can ever take it away. That's good news. Now, so because of that, we know that all of us who have called on the name of Jesus, dying for us is going to be like laying down, taking a nap, and waking up from that nap right into paradise. And if, that doesn't sound, if that's not deserving of an amen, I don't know where y'all are. Because that's fantastic news. Taking a nap, and then when the nap is over, you're in paradise forever, that's awesome. Okay, So I want to get that out of the way, but here's the deal. This sermon, this thing, this is not about that, okay? We're not talking about the heaven piece today. And I wanted to get that out of the way because, yes, I know, everybody that's called in the name of Jesus gets to go to heaven forever. That's not the good news about death that you will find in the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to be clear. In the book of Ecclesiastes, the teacher says it's good news that you know that you're going to die, the heaven piece aside, we know that, but we're going to set that on the shelf and deal with just this, okay? Can we do that? Stack hands? Yes. Okay, great. All right, now, I know that the trouble and the problem with that is, is that death is scary, and it's sad, 
It's scary and it's sad. And some of us in this room are still freshly mourning people that we have lost. Even people that we've lost a long time ago and we're still mourning. It's scary because when it happens, it's like, that's it. My story's over. All of my plans are gone. They're done. And I'm gone. And it's sad because when I lose somebody, I don't get to hold them anymore. And I don't get to talk to them and get their advice or or laugh with them or sing with them or eat a meal with them any longer. It's scary and it's sad. And as a result of it, people are afraid of death and we're praying as hard as we can against it all the time for folks. And sometimes we flat out ignore it, don't we? The book of Ecclesiastes, if you read it, will not let you get away with that. It presents this fact over and over again. I'm just going to read a couple of verses about this. And there are a lot. So I'm just going to give you a little kind of just a little smattering. Uh, This is in chapter three, verse one. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die. This is from chapter seven. It's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. It says in chapter 8, for just as you don't have the power over the wind to control it, so no one knows the hour of their death. This book's message to you is you are dying. You don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen, and you cannot stop it. And the, and the teacher says, the living should take this to heart. In other words, I know people are afraid of it, and I know it's scary and sad, but don't just fear it, face it. And don't ignore it, use it. It turns out that when you know that you're going to die, there is a power in knowing this that enables you to live more, a, a more skillful life. That's really cool. We're going to get into why that is. But part of this starts here to, to be aware of and to think about and to face and then learn how to use my own certain death. It's certain. I can't do anything about it. And if I'll face it and use it, I might find some power for living a more skillful and beautiful life. All right, we ready to look at that? Okay, here's the deal. Some of you have had experiences like this before, and if you haven't yet, hang on, keep on living because it's probably coming. But when you are beside the bed of someone who is dying, you find out certain things. You find out that people who know that they're dying They know things about life that no one else knows. They have learned stuff that other people have not learned. When you you know somebody or talk to somebody who's been through a situation where they were at almost certain death and then they escaped that, where they got really, really close and they came out the other side and they're still alive, those people know stuff that other people have not learned. It's almost like your certain death is a classroom where you can go to learn lessons that not everybody knows. And the book of Ecclesiastes is full of them. And people that I've known that have either been dying or have just narrowly escaped death, they say, they wind up saying some of the things that the teacher talks about all over the 12 chapters of this book. I'll give you a couple of examples. Here's a a lesson you learn in the classroom of Certain Death 101, okay? Um, Number one, not everything that people think matters really matters. 
So um, a lot of you guys know this, but when my dad was 48 years old, he had a massive heart attack and almost died. Um, he was, which, you know, now I'm 44 and I'm going, whoa, those genetics are not looking so far away any longer. Um, but he was 48 years old. He has this massive heart attack. He almost died. And I went to down, he was living on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi at that time. So I went down to go visit him and see him. And I went with Christy a couple of times. Charlie and I went down there a couple of times because that's where they were living. And he was, you know, he had almost died. So we went down there a bunch. So here's a little thing about my dad is when I, the whole time I was growing up, my dad's thing was, do not ask me for money because you're not going to get it. If you want money, son, go mow that grass. Go get you a job. That's what he would say to me. He, you know, he was like, listen, son, if you want money, go, go walk a paper route. That's what they have him for. Don't ask this man for money. He's like, you want money? You go earn that money. Don't, I'm not giving you any of mine. Okay, and so that was what it was like the whole time growing up. We just knew you got to get a job. You got to go work it and everything. All of a sudden, I'm going down to Pascagoula to visit this man who almost died. And every time I got within five feet of him, he's shoving money in my pockets and in my hands like, like it was like some mafioso thing and I had like pulled a hit. Like he was... It was like envelopes of cash. And I remember the first couple times it happened, I was like, Dad, what is going on? And he was like, son, I've just realized I don't care about this stuff anymore, and I don't know why I cared about it so much. And every time you see me, I'm handing you as much of it as I've got. And that's what happens. Somebody has a brush with death or somebody's dying, they realize some stuff doesn't matter as much as we thought it mattered. Here's another lesson from, uh, from Certain Death 101. Nostalgia is not all it's cracked up to be. Nostalgia is escapism. When you spend your life looking back and like, man, I just, I wish it was like it was in the good old days. Mm -mm. In fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10 says, <laughs> it's a command in the Bible. It says, do not say, why were the old days better than these? It is not wise to ask such questions. <laughs> Here's a couple reasons. Number one, your memory of those things is like really, really flawed. All the research in the world says that your memory is really pretty hot garbage and you don't remember pretty much anything the way it actually happened. And you're like, yeah, I wish it was back in middle school. It was so great. And people that are in middle school are like, what is wrong with you? And you know, so like anyway, so your memory is flawed. It's not as cool as you thought it was. You're deleting and omitting a lot of difficult stuff. And two, you don't live back there. You live here. So don't do that. Nostalgia is escapism. Not everything matters. A couple other lessons that you get from, uh, from uh, Certain Death 101. Um, that attitude of that we've put this moral value on work, work, work. The most important thing in the world is work. If you want to find out how great someone is, what is their work ethic like? That is not all it's cracked up to be either. The book of Ecclesiastes says this all the time. Look, look, dude, break your back working all you want. You just leave it here and it doesn't really matter. And by the way, no one else cares. I mean, the, the amount that people praise everybody's unceasing work ethic. They never took a day off. And the book of Ecclesiastes is like, that's ridiculous. And you meet somebody that's dying and they always say, I wish I had played more. I wish I had played more. Um, yeah, so another lesson in certain death 101 is being the best is really dumb. It's really dumb. No one cares. No one cares. By the way, when that's your whole shtick, like, no one likes you. Like, I watched that, that documentary about Michael Jordan. It was amazing. He's like the most, 
It's like, no one's ever been as good at their job as this guy was at his job. Everybody that they interview hated that guy. It's like, no one cares. You know what's better than competing? Celebrating. Celebrating people is better than competing with people. And people that are dying realize that. They're like, I don't know why I broke my back for all that stuff. Okay, those are all lessons. I'm going to give you one more, and then we're going to spend, we're going to camp out here and spend the rest of our time on this thing. Certain Death 101, here's another lesson you get when you are willing to face and use the certainty of your own death. And it's so Captain Obvious that you're going to be like, duh, Lee, we, duh, we, we get it. But it's super important. It might be the most important. It's definitely on the final of Certain Death 101. Here it is. You won't always be here. I want you to let that sink in for a second. You will not always be here. You are a limited time offer, which means that this is not a rehearsal, y'all. This is the only time we get to do this day. This is the only time that I get to have this moment with you guys. Are we going to have other ones? If Jesus doesn't come back, we will. But this is the only one like this that we get. This is a limited time offer. And by the way, limited time offers make the flavor go up. Have y'all ever noticed that before? Like, okay, when I was a kid, we didn't have uh, streaming services like Disney Plus, and you couldn't just willy-nilly, like it's afternoon on a Tuesday, I think I'll watch this random Disney movie from 1986. You couldn't do that back in the day because we had this machine called a VCR. And it was plastic, and it had all these buttons and gears and things. And then you put these plastic rectangles inside it, and they had spools of tape. inside. And that's how you would watch a movie. And you couldn't just watch any Disney movie you wanted to, because every now and then, because Disney kept their movies in this thing called The Vault. Y'all remember The Vault? And you'd just, be watching, uh, you'd just be watching cartoons after school one day in the fourth grade, and you'd be watching Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, and then a commercial would come on, and it would be the Disney symbol, and you'd be like, oh, 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 oh. And me and my little sister like, look at each other like, what's about to happen? And this guy's like, fans of Aladdin, it's time. Aladdin is coming out of the Disney vault. And we're like, yes, we can watch Aladdin again. We haven't watched Aladdin in like four years, you know? And you would go to Blockbuster because we weren't going to get to buy it because you're not going to ask my dad for money in those days. That was pre-heart attack. So we go to Blockbuster and rent Aladdin and watch it because it came out of the vault. Y'all can just, y'all hadn't watched Aladdin in like years because it doesn't matter. You can watch it whenever you want to. And that makes it less flavorful. Some of y'all, and I'm not going to ask you to out yourselves, okay, because I love you. But some of y'all, statistically speaking, are fans of the McRib sandwich from McDonald's. I love you, okay? There's mercy and forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Look, it's the sandwich, the, the thing is shaped like a rack of ribs, like it has bones in it, but there are no bones. We know this. We know that something was injected into a mold. And you're like, oh, cool, that is ribs. No, it's not. But here's the thing. If you could get the McRib whenever you wanted it, you wouldn't get it. But every now and then, you're watching a football game, and then the commercial comes on, they're like, McRib is back. And you're like, everybody get in the car. We're going to McDonald's. McRib is back. What's wrong with y'all? Look, if, if, 
If fries were endless, then it wouldn't be a crime against humanity when somebody else at the table grabs some of your fries. But because it's, there's only so many in the box, you're like, you better pull that hand back. <laughs> if you wanted fries, you should have said so when we were ordering. That's why I asked you if you wanted them. Look, here's the deal. <laughs> you are a limited time only offer, and this is not a rehearsal. Okay, you're not going to be here forever. This is the only time you get to live today. And I know some people are like, oh, okay, if I was sitting where you're sitting, I'd be like, okay, I know what you're saying. Because, uh, because it's a limited time, I only get today, so I've got to suck the marrow out of every moment of today and never stop grinding and never rest and never cook, kick my feet up and I can never take a nap. No, canceled, that's canceled, that's canceled. We've canceled that. Because number one, the book of Ecclesiastes says all kinds of things. It says you should work hard, and it says you, could, you should play hard. It says you should rest. It says you should party. It says you should love your friends. It says you should drink your wine. It says you should enjoy your life. And if, and if, and if life has no loafing in it, I'm not enjoying it, okay? I'm just going to put that right out there. By the way, thank you. Amen. Amen. Praise his name. Okay? Listen. By the way... By the way, if you look at the life of Jesus, he knew how to do these things. He knew how to party. He knew how to dance. He knew how to take naps. He took vacations. But since it's Christian, we always say, oh, he was on a retreat with his disciples. Come on, y'all. <laughs> That's what Christians say when they want you to think they don't ever take time off. We're on a retreat. We got to give it a military word. We're on a retreat with our team. You're on a vacation. He was on a vacation with his guys. It was international too. He knew how to nap. He knew how to vacation. He knew how to chill. The two biggest accusations against Jesus by his enemies, that he was a friend of sinners and that he was a drunkard. When they kicked off the music for the Cupid Shuffle, Jesus was the first one on the floor. I'm telling y'all, okay? So when I say limited time offer, that doesn't mean you don't get to take naps and you don't get to enjoy your life. Here's what it means. It means we need to change our goal for what life is, okay? I have, after thinking about this, I have two new goals in my life. I think most people's goal for their life, kind of the standard American blah goal for life is, I want to be safe and comfortable, and I want to provide for my family and protect them. That's kind of the, that's kind of the blase, like, that's our goal. Safe, comfortable, provide for and protect my family. Um, that was not Jesus's goal. His life was not safe. It was not comfortable. And by the way, a lot of people have, not, have, have had no protection whatsoever. They've had a lot of persecution. Christians are more persecuted than they've ever been across the world. And, and, and Jesus allows this stuff to happen. Apparently, safe and comfortable is not the goal. Those are not my goals anymore. I'm not here for a very long time. Here are my goals. You ready? And I'm going to break them down. Here are my goals. I want to hit bullseyes, and I want to have the saddest funeral in the history of the world. Those are my goals. All right. Hit bullseyes. What does that mean? Every moment that you live calls for something. Some moments call for you to listen to someone. Some moments call for you to cry with someone. Some moments call for you to work hard and push through something difficult. Some moments call for you to laugh and dance and sing. Some moments call for you to create. Some moments call for you to stop and lay down and take a big old fat nap on your couch. Here's what I want to do. I want to hit the bullseye for whatever the moment is because I don't get it again. I'm a limited time offer only. 
I want to hit the bullseye for whatever this moment is. And you see that all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. It's like, whatever that moment is, learn how to figure out what it is and do it. Am I going to get it right all the time? No, I'm not. And sometimes I'm going to have to ask some of you to forgive me if I get it wrong. And there's grace and forgiveness at the foot of the cross, not just for McRib, but for this as well. And so I want to hit bullseyes. Whatever the moment calls for, I want to do, because I'll never have this conversation with you again. I won't have this one again. And so I want to do this one correctly. And I want to do this one well. And I'm not going to do that unless I face this. I am dying someday. And it might be, I don't know when it's going to be. Maybe it's today. That's goal number one. I want to hit bullseyes. Goal number two. I want to have the saddest funeral in the history of the world. And people talk about, listen, whenever I go, I don't want you to cry at my funeral. Y'all better cry at my funeral. I hope that they have to bring water into the place because people are dehydrated from crying at my funeral because I want to love you so well and care for you so well that the news of my death is the most heartbreaking thing that you've ever experienced in your entire life. And the hope of my resurrection into glory is just the most greatest miracle ever. And I hope that's your goal too, by the way. Chapter one of Ecclesiastes, the teacher says, generations come and generations go and nobody cares and nobody remembers. The saddest part of all Ecclesiastes is in chapter four when he says, there was this poor man, he didn't have a brother or a son and nobody to take the stuff after all of his toil and it was just so sad. I don't wanna be those people. I wanna have a life full of people that I loved and I served so that when I go, they bawl their eyes out. That's what I want. And how do you do that? You face your own death and then you live in painful moments and in hard moments and you try to find and turn them into something beautiful. Pushing through pain, pushing through discomfort. It's not going to be a safe, comfortable life. It's going to be sometimes confusing and painful and I want to face it and use it and make something beautiful. By the way, the teacher does this amazingly. In, at the end of Ecclesiastes, he talks about what it feels like to grow old and die. And... You know, so he's talking about this, this prospect, and he's like, you know how it is when you're growing old. And I'm on the, I'm on the foothills of this. I'm, I'm starting to experience this, okay? And obviously. And one of the, you know, so he talks about, you know, your hands start to tremble, and your eyes sight starts to go, and your teeth start to fall out, and then your back starts to stoop. And then, you know, then you can't hear as well, and your hair goes gray and white. And then you just don't have the energy that you, that you used to have and everything just starts to fall apart and then you die. And some of you that have read Ecclesiastes are like, I don't remember him saying that. That sounds terrible. That sounds ghastly. You know, what, you know why you might not remember it? Because he takes this thing that's painful and frustrating and difficult and that aging process is, it can be slow and frustrating and difficult and painful. He takes it and he turns it into the most, the coolest and most beautiful poem. He takes painful discomfort and turns it into art. Can I show you what he does? Check this out. So that process, growing old, all those things. Here's what he says. Listen to this poem. Listen to these metaphors. It's all that stuff I just said, but he says it in a cooler way. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark. 
and the clouds return after the rain, and the keepers of the house tremble, and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and the desire is no longer stirred, and then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him, your creator, before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered in the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. He takes the thing that we're all afraid of, this painful, sometimes ghastly, frustrating prospect, and turns it into art. Because I'm only going to be here for a little while. I don't have the goal of a safe and comfortable life. I want to live a beautiful life. I want to turn pain into, into poetry. I want to turn difficulty into art. And I want to love everybody so much that they're going to miss me like crazy. And you know who was a genius at this? Was the Lord Jesus. He was a genius at it. Everybody loved him everywhere he went. He got the most out of every moment. He napped when it was time to nap, and he danced when it was time to dance, and he cried when it was time to cry, and he challenged when it was time to challenge. And he did it all because he knew one thing in front of his face the whole time, which was he was going to die. John chapter 13, his last night with his friends, John said, Jesus knew that it was time for him to leave this world and to return to his father. A little while before that, Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, the Son of Man came not to serve, but to be served and to give his life as a ransom for many. Way before that, when the baby Jesus was in the manger crib on the first Christmas, I can't explain this to you. He has an infinite heart and an infinite mind. He's the almighty God. But Hebrews chapter 10 says, when Christ came into this world, somehow Psalm 40 was on his mind and heart. It says, when he came into this world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. I came here to do your will. Every moment of his life, he, know, he knew, I am here to die. I am going to die. So I'm going to get everything out of this, even if it means wasting time. The very first day John and Andrew met Jesus, they started hanging out with him at four o'clock in the afternoon, and they hung out with him until the day ended. And you're like, you're God on earth. There's so many people with diseases, so many problems, so many governments in disarray, so many, so many issues to, ser to serve and heal and change and fix. And almighty God in the flesh said, no, I got two guys to, to waste the whole day with. That's what we're doing. That's what today's about. Um, he came here knowing he was going to die. We are going to die. Don't be afraid of it. Face it. Don't ignore it. Use it. This is the only today you get. So whether you are crying with somebody or listening to somebody or asking the right questions or taking a big old nap, do it with a full heart. Let's get a different goal. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this morning, for our time together, for your word. And thank you for the fact that you came here to give your life for us. Knowing every single minute of your life you were here to die. Not afraid of it, facing it, using it harnessing the power of knowing I'm only here for a little while. Help us to get a new goal. Help us to walk with you in it. It's in your name we pray. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory.
Man